Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Clay, and today, today is going to be a little bit different. Now, if you notice, if you look at the calendar of April right now, you see that it is the 20... Oh, sorry, not even the 29th. It is the 30th. It is the last day of the month. Now, if you wondered, we have four weeks in a month. This is preschool. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, Usually on a fifth week like this, on a normal comic book, you know, week, fifth week, it would be annuals week. And on an annuals week, not a whole lot of interesting books come out. Uh, You know, there's probably one or two really big annuals that uh, both DC and Marvel want to pitch and they really want you to read other stuff. You know, uh, there's a whole lot of trades that come out, you know, or they'll have their promotional stuff with like DC with Looney Tunes or Marvel will do some random like, um, man, I don't even, what does Marvel do that's like Looney Tunes? I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. But now... I do have a normal schedule for what I review every single week, but with fifth weeks like this, it's not normal for a fifth week to be in a month, so I decided to just talk about what I read this week. Now, what I read this week was the DC Digital First books that had come out ever since then, uh, that being uh, Aquaman, uh, Flash, Wonder Woman and Superman. Now, I did read the Batman one, but I already reviewed that on my podcast, Batman News Weekly, with Juice Wayne, the YouTuber, of course, and the Twitch streamer. Please go check him out. We just ended a stream today. I'm technically recording a little fourth wall breaking. I am recording on the 28th. And uh, yeah, I will say that it has been so much fun hanging out on his streams. We play a whole bunch of video games. Uh, but yeah, he's one of my best friends. I am, uh, 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 you know, doing the podcast with him, Batman News Weekly, and we talk a whole bunch of Batman stuff. So that is why we reviewed the Batman Gotham Knights. Uh, I think it was only like 18 pages, you know, really, really short. And a lot of these are really, really short, except for the Wonder Woman and Superman one. And I will actually get into that later. Now, I just heard it. So if you happen to hear thunder at the very end of like a sentence or something, that's because there's a storm brewing. And that's why we had to end the stream because his power went out. But anyway, let's go ahead and jump right into this. We're going to be talking about uh, Superman Man of Tomorrow, Wonder Woman. uh, What is this one? It is Wonder Woman Age Agent of Peace. Then we have Flash, Fastest Man Alive. And then we have Aquaman Deep Dives. But, of course, we don't always just do DC on these, you know, episodes. We also do Marvel. And honestly, the only Marvel I read is one book. And that book being uh, Gambit. So we will talk about Gambit Issue 10 because I have been reading that on my own. I didn't want to do any, you know, extensive reading uh, on my days off here. So I just, you know, was just doing some casual reading. And so I'll be talking about... The four DC books and the one Marvel book. Uh, So let's go ahead and just jump into the Marvel book first. That'll be a little bit easier because it's only one book. Let's go ahead and jump to Gambit number 10. Now Gambit, of course, is probably my, well, one of my favorite X-Men. I I was about to say my favorite X-Men, but ah, man, that's really hard to decide. I'm not entirely sure who my favorite X-Men is. Now, of course, I think it was just very popular and very cool 
to like Gambit. You know, like the 90s, I feel like was a very good time for Gambit fans because of the animated series. But it was very horrible for what was it, 2009, 2008 uh, for the... the, um, for the uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine movie. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's really hard being a Gambit fan as well. Because you have stuff like that. But uh, here in the Gambit series, this whole thing is... You know, Gambit is playing the uh, vigilante, anti-hero... Basically, in here, he's specifically a thief. And I thought that was really cool. You know, he is a hero with the X-Men... But on his own, he's not, you know, he, he totes the line a little bit, which I'm totally fine with, um, just because it's within his character. And here he is, you know, helping out this woman, Jennifer, now throughout the entire series, of course, because this is issue 10. Throughout the entire series, this woman has kind of been a thorn in her side. But if you find out here in issue 10 that the only reason why that is, is because she has a daughter. And her daughter is dying, and so, you know, she needs to find uh, whatever she can to help her daughter. And, of course, Remy just has that soft spot for women, you know, just in general. Uh, women in, uh, what, what is uh, what is that uh, phrase? It is the uh, damsel in distress, basically. And so he decides to help her out. And so... They go into this underground bunker. I can't remember where exactly it was. It is in uh, Canada. So deep in Canada's Northwest Territory. They find this underground bunker. And it's really cool because as a thief, you need to have specific skills. And in here, he is very much showing that he has those skills. He memorized the entire blueprint. He knows exactly where they're going even though he has no idea where they are exactly as far as like what the facility is, who's in it, you know, why did they make it all this stuff. And there seems to be some sort of like failed experiments, almost zombie esque. And they are end up attacking them. There is a hasty uh, retreat with, uh, with Gambit. And of course he needs to make it look good. So uh, he is able to, have them escape on the jet skis that he actually made a comment about in the very beginning of their entrance into that bunker saying, oh man, I really want to drive one of those. And it was his plan for the escape all along. And basically, uh, the uh, person that was helping them in the very beginning, his name is, uh, what's his name? His name is, uh, da, 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 da. oh my gosh. See, I am so bad. When, when, when it comes to comics... And I've noticed this a lot, you know, with the Shonen Jump Saturdays, with the Ultimate Fridays, and with this, you know, show in particular, I suck at character names. And I think it's because I'm reading too damn much. I'm, I have so many names just, like, just crammed into my head, and it's crazy. But his name is Fence, because he is a fence. But uh, his name is Fence. He is basically... Uh, bombarded by Tombstone because that's where they stole the information from uh, Gambit and Jennifer and you know they're they're you know escaping this this territory or whatever this bunker and of course they're in Canada deep Canada so it's snowy it's freezing and Jennifer is you know ice cold she is shutting down and so Gambit's like okay 
you we need to warm you up by any means necessary which is really funny because the next thing you know you see them they're like both like half naked in the snow it looks like they have been warmed up with plenty of clothing and with uh, or you know clothing on top of them it's not necessarily on them on them uh you see branches but i assume that gambit probably used his powers to heat them up kinetically in the snow which you know can be smart but uh jennifer wakes up and then gambit wakes up to rogue on you know up in the uh the top of the snow and she is not happy and you then you do see the uh the X-Men ship up in the air behind her. It looks really, really cool. I have been loving this book because uh, the artist is Clay Man. This is like early Clay Man. Uh, this, I believe, was like 2012, 2014. Like, I think it lasted until that long. But I really, really enjoy it. Uh, or 2012, 2013. But I have really been enjoying the art. Clayman's art is gorgeous. Uh, I don't think it's as good as where he is at now, but it's still really, really good. Actually, like, genuinely love it. Uh, but yeah, I've been really enjoying the uh, Gambit run so far. And I don't know if I'm wanting to go backwards after this because there hasn't really been a quote-unquote good Gambit series after this one. Um, I don't know if they would ever, like, do a solo Gambit book with the Jonathan Hickman stuff. I don't know where he would really fit in that. But, uh, hopefully they do. But, let's go ahead and jump on to the, uh, DC books. The first book we're gonna be talking about is Aquaman Deep Dives. Alright, so Aquaman Deep Dives, double-edged. Now, this was written by, I believe, Steve Orlando. And then uh, the artist is, uh, oh my gosh, I don't even know where the credits page is. It is not in the front, so it must be in the back, yes. Right here, it is Daniel Sampier on pencils, and Juan Albaran on inks with uh, Adreno Lucas on colors. Art was beautiful in this book, absolutely beautiful, and I am completely okay with that. Now, the story was not all that great. Uh, it was very odd. Um, I'm not entirely sure what the whole point is. Now, the uh, big thing here is that the villain of the book is Manta, and Manta, of course, like I feel like any of these stories that like are an introduction especially like this. Uh, this is technically a, uh, a giant size book that anybody, it was, it was really promoted in like Walmart and Target. And so when people are buying them, DC is wanting them to be kind of like, uh, like new readers. So of course you need to establish something. And of course you'd go with the origin of Manta, his father dying. And it, he, Orlando doesn't really portray it like cohesively. Because you think, okay, his his father died from the ocean, but then Manta says something about uh, Aquaman killing him, and, and it gets goes you know both ways for a while, and it's just kind of pointless. I'm not entirely sure why uh, that is even brought up. Well, brought up in the sense of like dialogue, you know. I feel like it could have been shown rather than told, but 
Instead, it is told. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The internal dialogue of Manta, I don't like a whole lot. But I don't like the external dialogue of Aquaman in this book a whole lot. But basically, Aquaman uh, saves the day uh, while Black Manta is Black Manta is trying to uh, obtain this weird. Uh, it is called the Sporting Snare. Uh, it is actually not from Greek mythology. It's not uh, the Amazon's weapon, although it looks like one. It is actually from the mer people, like mermaids, basically. And, you know, Aquaman is basically telling Black Manta, hey, if you use this, this is something that uh, that kind of backfires on the user. So please do not do this. I'm trying to save you. Black Manta heeds his warning, like does not heed his warning. And when he uses it, actually, you know, the... It, it's really big cop out to be honest like Aquaman's all like oh well what I was trying to tell you is if you use this you would have an ultimate hunger you know that you can never you know completely uh, get satisfied and all of this stuff and you know eventually basically Aquaman takes it back to the tombstone of the Mer people because apparently they are extinct and he just leaves it there and says if anybody comes to take it I will be here to stop them and, like I said, I love the art in this entire thing. It looks very, very cool. Really, really good. But I just don't like the dialogue. I don't know exactly what Orlando has written, to be completely honest. That is amazing. I know that he has done uh, Midnighter. I heard that that is very good. But as far as like his Wonder Woman and now Aquaman... Of course, he has written some other stuff that I do not necessarily agree with either. It's really, it's, I don't know. I, I want to read a good Orlando book just like I want to read a good Bendis book eventually. Uh, like in current time, because I know I'm reading Spider-Man on, you know, Fridays and stuff like that. But with that, I will say this book, I would give a 5.5 and that is all just art to be completely honest but you know it was only 99 cents with the digital digital first uh program that dc has uh it's on comiXology or their dc app i would recommend going to read it or taking advantage of the dc digital firsts if you want more information on that uh go to you know dccomics.com uh they talk all about it and i think it's a really cool idea but let's go ahead and move on to uh, Flash, the fastest man alive. See, now this one here, this is another one that I was kind of disappointed in. And I don't know how I feel about these digital first as far as the content that it's in. Now, I will say this is written by Gail Simone. I am a really big fan of Gail Simone. I entered her, uh, the comic school that she did in the very beginning of the quarantine. I joined her disc, uh, the, the comic school discord had a lot of good conversations with Gail and you know it's she's a fun person or can be a fun person I can under I completely understand how some people are kind of annoyed with her she kind of goes on very long uh, tangents on Twitter and can blow up your phone for no reason or your your Twitter feed for no reason and with this it's just I it was very odd so like the whole thing uh, I wouldn't consider Barry Allen a detective at all, but for some reason they consider 
or, or Gail Simone considers him a detective. Uh, is there such thing as a CSI detective? I, I'm not entirely sure. I don't know any of that stuff. But uh, there is a basically a company cruise that he is inviting Iris West in, and they get attacked by King Shark. And the voice of Barry just sounds very weird. The voice of King Shark sounds very, very weird. And it's just it just overall very odd. Uh, the art is not all that bad. I'm not completely, you know, taken away from it. Uh, it can be very playful at times, which I am totally okay with. Because with the power set of the Flash, it can very much be that kind of thing. And, you know, it's just... I don't know, just the, it was very, uh, there's a part here uh, that, oh, that was thunder. That was, wow, that is a lot of thunder. That is a lot of thunder. There's no way I can edit that out. That sucks. That was loud. Um, So I apologize for that. But uh, hopefully the power doesn't go out to where all of this is complete crap and I have to do it all over again. That would suck. But uh, anyway, you know, there's just very much, uh, you know, the there's this whole thing with him, you know, going back in time, like as far as like memories, sorry, not actually going back in time, because that's something Flash can do. But, uh, you know, he's he's looking back at, you know, when he went to go see Jaws with his dad as when he was younger, and it just feels very weird. I don't know if. Gail Simone has done a whole lot of stuff with Flash in the past, but this didn't impress me. With how good I know Gail can write, it just felt very odd. So, uh, I enjoyed the art, didn't enjoy the reading so much. Uh, so, I'm going to also give this a 5.5 uh, with the uh, art as well. Um, so both Aquaman and the Flash are kind of on par uh, this week uh, with the storytelling, but you know the art is really good, and I I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, because you know a comic needs to be you know for me I enjoy a comic that I can just like just gawk at with the art. That's just who I am. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know it it it's not they're not always going to be winners. I understand that. Uh, but thankfully it was only 99 cents, you know, like I said before. Um, but let's go ahead and jump to some of the longer books this week, that being Superman and Wonder Woman. Let's go in the order that I read them. We'll go with Superman first. I believe that title is Man of Tomorrow. All right, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Power Play. Now this one I will say, you know, I heard so many people you know, this week say that this book is probably the best Superman book they have ever read in quite a long time. And so the hype was built up for me. And I will say I'm kind of disappointed again. And that is the running theme with these DC uh, digital first books. Now, I'm hoping that they get better. Now, I did like this. Uh, This power play story is with Superman and Parasite. Uh, but a lot of people were saying the reason why you know this feels so much like a better Superman story is because at one point, Parasite uh, is basically taking the power supply from the power plant. It makes Metropolis go dark, and then Superman basically, you know, flies up into the air and talks to the people of Metropolis, saying that you know, 
in this time, you know, he's going to try to fight Parasite. He's going to try to find him. But there's a lot of people in need. And we as Metropolis citizens need to help each other. And, you know, if you if you have food, you know, that you can spare to others, spare the, your food. And if you know doctors of, you know, this capacity that can help here and help there. Basically, everybody help themselves while Superman takes care of the prop, the bigger problem. And, okay, that's all good, and, and yeah, that, that sounds like something Superman would do, but, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the greatest Superman thing that I have seen in the past few years, you know? The greatest Superman thing I have ever seen is Superman sun-dipping and getting the World Forger a five-finger knuckle sandwich to the face. That was the most Superman thing I have ever seen in the past few years. That was awesome. Justice League number 25. I still remember it because it was beautiful and made me cry. But, you know, here I love the colors. I love the art. I love the way Parasite is depicted. And also, I didn't realize this. My biggest info dump for Parasite is the Superman animated series. I don't think I've read a whole lot of stories in comics with Parasite. You know, because every single time that I had seen him on the TV show, on the cartoon... He absorbs Superman's powers. Like, whenever he feeds off of Superman, he feeds off of his powers as well. And he gains those powers. And in here, that doesn't seem to be the case. Because he's not using any type of Superman powers whatsoever. And Superman is able to fight him head-on without any type of, like, protective, you know, suit or anything. And eventually, it says that Parasite, you know, starves. And then that's that. You know, he's won. You know, they, they fought on the moon so that way he couldn't have much of anything to absorb. But I'm like, he has Superman to absorb. Why is why is he not absorbing Superman? And why isn't he you know becoming powerful? It was very confusing to me. Uh, if anybody knows this to be true or if this is something that Robert Venditti just wrote so that way, you know, it would be an easy fix for Superman to fight him on the moon, please let me know. Um, I would like to learn a little bit more about Parasite. But, uh, but yeah, that's basically it. And then it teases at the very end that, you know, uh, Lex Luthor is mainly the reason why Metropolis was able to get the power back up uh, so fast. And it says, next, organized crime. Um, I love Superman. Everybody knows this. He's my favorite DC superhero. He's my favorite Superman. He's my favorite superhero overall. And, you know, I, I have, you know, been, I have been disappointed in Superman stories for the past two years, other than that small Superman, uh, well, when Scott Snyder writes Superman, I feel like he knows Superman. That's when I love Superman. Here recently, of course, there's Jeff Johns, and there's other characters or other writers like Tom Taylor that know Superman, but Bendis, Robert Venditti, uh, they, I don't know, I don't know, and it was very disappointed. You know, I was very disappointed in this book. I'm hoping that it does get better. And uh, that I get to read a legitimate good Superman story, you know, fairly soon. So, let's go ahead and move on to the last book of the night. That being uh, Wonder Woman, Agent of Peace. Alright, now this will probably be one of the shortest reviews I have done on this episode. Or on, you know, the podcast because I did not like this whatsoever. Now, I understand that, uh, you know, Amanda Connor, uh, Jimmy Pagliani, 
Uh, they specialize in Harley Quinn, but when I see Wonder Woman, the, the title Wonder Woman, I want it to be a Wonder Woman story. But learning that it is a Wonder Woman Harley Quinn story, it was very annoying. I just, I just don't, I don't think I like Harley Quinn. Or at least I don't think I like Harley Quinn written by anybody else right now. Um, I feel like Tom Taylor has gotten her very well with, you know, his interpretation of her in Injustice and now in Suicide Squad. I, I like it very much. I did not like this art in Wonder Woman. It was very scratchy. Uh, this was very much, to me, a, like, old-school indie book type of art, and I apologize. I apologize if that is a little too harsh, but uh, the consistency in Wonder Woman's physique, her cheekbones, her eyes, like, every everything always changed. Uh, her hair, um, the only thing that didn't change is the color of her costume. Uh, and then Wonder Woman, I mean, not Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Harley Quinn did not look any better. And I just, I just didn't like this whatsoever. You know, it, it comes with this bad guy that is wanting to buy property illegally or by illegal means. And, you know, apparently Harley Quinn owns some land that this villain wants and, you know, they're trying to kill Harley and Wonder Woman is involved somehow. It's just, this is again, how... Same thing with, you know, the Birds of Prey. It wasn't really a Birds of Prey movie. It was it was a Harley Quinn movie. Same thing here. This isn't a Wonder Woman book. This is a Harley Quinn book. And it sucks that this is how people try to sell Harley Quinn. Is, oh, we'll just put the title Superman, and then we'll make it a Harley Quinn story. Same thing here. Wonder Woman. They put Wonder Woman smack dab in the front. And then it became a Harley Quinn story. And it was uh, kind of BS, and I didn't like it at all. Uh, it was boring. Uh, I kept on looking at the page count with every other time. Every other page, I was looking at the page count. Uh, this and Superman were both uh, the regular 24, 25 pages, while everything else was, you know, the 16 to 18 uh, pages. But this, like I said, horrible. I did not like it. It was boring. Uh, especially near the ve like the very last page was probably the hardest. It had the most, you know, actual dialogue bubbles and I like it was a sight for sore eyes. Like it was just like, gosh, I just I just wanna be done. I just wanna be done. And it was the last page and it took me forever to read. But yeah, uh, it sucks that uh that, you know, it wasn't great. You know, these D C uh, digital first books, but I'm looking forward to more of them. Uh, I won't be reviewing these too often. I'll probably keep them for the fifth week stuff. And if that's the case, uh, you know, there will be a whole lot of these, uh, in the can for sure, because, you know, now, uh, think that they, I think they add a new book for every day during the week days, not the weekends. Uh, it might be the week weekends also, but, uh, I, you know, today there was a Swamp Thing book, so I added that to my cart. I will probably buy them at the end of the week, uh, so that way it'll just be one lump sum uh, and not multiple transactions to my card because my wife gets mad at me for that kind of thing. But I digress. Uh, hopefully the books will get better. I'm looking forward to the Swamp Thing uh, book because I am reading Swamp Thing on my own with the New 52 stuff. But yeah, let's go ahead and... And in the podcast there, thank you so much for listening. And uh, also, uh, again, please share the podcast, uh, uh, subscribe, uh, 
And uh, yeah, find me on Instagram, find me on Twitter at Fanboy Comics Podcast. Um, of course, me uh, at Fanboy Clay. I'm on Instagram and on Twitter as well. And uh, yeah, thank you guys again for listening. I can't talk. Uh, I I don't know why I podcast. I I cannot speak the English language. Anyway, y'all have a good day.